Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 16th episode, I have a West End legend, a CFL 10-year vet, played at home for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for multiple seasons, Mr. Dave Donaldson. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing very well, Giesbrick. Mr. G- Coach Giesbrick, player <laughs> Giesbrick. Aaron, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to have you on. It's going to be awesome. So, Thanks. Dave, I think me and you kind of crossed paths way back when, probably early 2000s. Uh, I was a player for the Winnipeg Rifles, and we uh, we were out of Canada Stadium when you were playing for the Bombers. So I remember running into you on the field a little bit, uh, just kind of crossing paths. You were always just a, a good guy. You were good to me. You were kind of a, a real genuine guy in the community. Um, also, my dad was able to uh, kind of coach alongside of you. I think it was a senior bowl. You guys were coaching DBs together. And uh, right. he he always spoke really highly of you and really liked you. And uh, I just know that in uh, the years since, whenever we run into each other in community, you're uh, you're always a good guy, an outstanding citizen of, of Winnipeg and represent our province really well. So, uh, you know, I, I really kind of looked up to you as a young guy. So I appreciate that, that you were always good to me and my dad. So thanks again for being on here. Um, but just to kind of get into your background, Dave, I'm interested in your story. For any football player or anyone who's striving to play football, my story's, my story's pretty cool. Why? Um, you know, I tried out for Daniel Mack the late 80s when I went to Daniel. I didn't know how to play football. Uh, I was a judo fighter. So oh. judo was a sport that I was on a provincial judo team. I competed on the national level. I competed at a high level judo-wise. So that was my foundation. I was a little undersized in grade 10. And in the 80s, Daniel Mack football was strong, very strong. Guys like Frank Atojo, Leward, like these names, you might not know them, but these, these players were huge. Um, Carlos Galante. They're playing crocus planes in these teams. Right. Long story short, um, I got yelled at one practice. I didn't understand the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I left. I left the team near <laughs> the end of the season at Daniel Mac. Played until my last year at Daniel, a couple of games. Um, I played like slot back tight end, more slot back returner. And then left high school, was working, going to UW. Um training like a madman because I was competing as a judo fighter. Um, then my buddies came to my place and they said they wanted to try playing junior football for the hot guys. I thought it was a good idea because I wasn't doing much else. Um, so it was 75 bucks to register. I paid it, tried out. And we had a coach by the name of Don Burrell at the hot guys. Um, so the hot guys, we had only three, three teams. We had the Thunder Bay store, um, John Bonham, who's a fireman. John Bonham played with me at the Bison. I don't know if you know, you know John Bonham. I know the name, yeah. You know the name? John, John was, a, was a player at Thunder Bay. Um, Hugh Headley. You know the name Hugh Headley? Yeah. Yeah, he was a Thunder Bay Storm. Um, we had the St. Patel team. Uh, there's a, there, weren't, there weren't many teams yeah. in, our, in, our, in our conference. Oh. We had a really good team in 93. That was 93 I played one year. And from there, it, it really took off for me. So in 93, I was still raw. I didn't know how to play football, Aaron. I had a, I had a coach, Don Burrell, who, who anytime, you have a, anytime you got a coach in this community, at least in those days, we're talking 93, the guy's a pro, mm-hmm. um, and he's coaching us. And he's telling me that, hey, you, you, know, you, can be, 
you're going to go far, you know? And I didn't even know how to hold the football correctly, but I was scoring touchdowns. Um, that really lit a fire into me. Um, from there, uh, he had opportunities to send me to Texas Southern because he had friends that he played in CFL with oh. that were coaching with these James West. Yeah. Um, I was a little still, like, like kids of now today, leaving home, uh, writing SATs. That stuff was very foreign to me. Furthermore, I thought that if I stayed here and played for the Bisons, I, that was very naive, that I, I can go NFL. I can go to the States um, playing uh, here in Manitoba. Right. It's happening now, right? There's guys are playing here to go yep. in those days. Um, so in retrospect, uh, I'm pr- pretty lucky that I still had an opportunity to get a scholarship and play. Um, I played there for three seasons. Going back to, uh, you know, the junior days there, you know, the kind of the cool thing here, Dave, is that uh, obviously me being on the inaugural Winnipeg Rifles team in 2002, so that was when junior football came back, um, right. you know, you playing for the Hawkeyes. I'm interested more in kind of the uh, the Hawkeye days, like, you know, you spoke on the teams, but, uh, you know, what was the level of football like at that point? You know, um Again, I was very new to football, right? But the level of football and the level of commitment and the level of passion that my teammates that I played with had, um, very impactful to me. I guess like Scott Barber, who just came back from Akron right. at the time. Yeah. Scott Barber was a good, solid player. He's a coach for the Bison. Yes. Um, he was a good player, and he knew his football. He was a guy that had played in a, at a big level at one point somewhere in the U.S., right. and then he came back, Right. As a 21-year-old, that's 21, you don't do your ball. So I think having an opportunity to, to play in your, tw- you know, 19, 20, you know, those ages, and, and and still get an opportunity to kind of pursue your dream, I think that's what I like about junior football um, and the um, the rifles now, but the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes had a long story tradition, a lot of great players coming through there and doing great things. Um but for me, the, the the crew that we had the year that I played, uh, I, I can honestly tell you that the culture was, we were very business oriented. We had Dave Duncan. We had like, you know, when you get guys that are, that are coaches that are like fully vested, fully committed to developing a championship type caliber team, started with Don Burrell. Don was an ex-bomber. The well, cool thing with Don is that uh, I actually was able to be coached by him as well when I was in high school. I think it was uh, 97, 98. He was the uh, defensive coordinator at Oak Park when I was when I was going through high school. So uh, I was able to get kind of a close relationship with him as well. He was very good to me. Dave, um, I played for the Bisons in 2000. Coach Dobie recruited me. Uh, I was only there for one year, but uh, I know that you had a Bison career. I'm interested in, in that story. So I know you went from the Winnipeg Hawkeyes onto the Bisons. Take take me through that time, Dave. Okay, so you mentioned that Coach Dobie recruited you. Well. Um... I, I was recruited by Ron Lancaster Jr. Yeah. And, um, and I was more, more than, I, I can honestly say that I was a very lucky man. You, you're getting a pro coach coaching the Bisons in 94, 95, 96. Yeah. No, 94, 95. And my experience at the Bisons at that time was incredible. Uh, my IQ, my football IQ went from nothing to something, having a guy like Ron Lancaster bringing in his CFL systems and having players like Brett Watt, Dom Zagary, one of the leading wrestlers of all time in Canadian football, right. uh, CIAU, now U Sport. Um, so my experience as a Bison 
was incredible. My journey was incredible. I ended up playing wide receiver and punt returner. And after my second season with the Bisons, actually, after my, yeah, after my second season, my first season, I was starting. I was a starting wide open. I was X. Um, I played with Chris Newton, um, Sean Brooks. I'm trying to remember these names, man. Yeah. You know, these, these are big names in the city back in those days. Chris Newton was an incredible slot back. We could have played on any pro team and seen with Sean Brooks hmm. and, and, and Dom Zagari and Brett. They all could have played pro. Then my last season, I had Brian Doby. That was his first season as a coach, as a coach at the university level. Right. Coming out of Churchill High School. Yeah, that would have so been a big change. Me, yeah, so for me, my story wouldn't be as charming and glowing for Brian based on that. And that's okay because you have to learn as a coach. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I had to be the victim of that um, of that experience. Being a brand new coach, he wanted to bring in his own players and bring in his, in his own his own mantra, whatever that may have been at the time. Um, so I had a pretty rough 1996 season with a brand new coach didn't really know me and didn't think much of me so and that's no that's no there's, there's no knock on him hey we're all entitled to our own opinion for any youth who's listening to this mm-hmm. podcast i'm an example of even if your coach doesn't believe in you you have to believe in yourself you have to and you, and you have to pursue your dream in spite of your coach sometimes because sometimes he just doesn't know and so, you know, that's, a, that's something that every young guy should know. One coach doesn't like you and doesn't think you can do anything. That's one guy's opinion. And, um, and just to add to Brian, we've got a lot of players coming out of U of M for the last 20 some odd years. They're all going pro. So lots of kudos to him. Of course. Just my experience wasn't as, as, as great for me personally, but mm-hmm. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So I think the fact that he didn't help me made me who I am today and made me the player that I was all those years. Kind of indirectly, it it helped you, right? Helped motivate you and kind of light that fire a little bit. But uh, we were talking off air about you, uh, you know, entering the CFL and kind of going through that process. You told me a really cool right. story about, uh, you know, kind of how how hard you wanted to to make it, right? And how, how yeah. much effort you were going to t- tell us that story, please. Okay, so, so Aaron... Um, Again, we're talking 1996. So internet, we only had Netscape just coming out. Netscape. <laughs> so I don't know. For you youth out there, you won't know what I'm talking about. But for the older guys out there, there was no internet. Right. So, you know, Netscape. Uh, so we had VHS ta- tapes and we had newspaper clippings. Those are the things we're using to sell ourselves. Um, and if your coach isn't selling you, then, which was in my case, mm-hmm. then... You know, you got to hustle and you have to do find a way. Now you guys have huddle. The kids have huddle. Yep. They have this. They oh, have I know. That. So, so for me, uh, once I knew that uh, my last year as a bison, I was on my own getting, getting to sell myself as a player. The coach didn't think that I was much of a player. Um, what I did was I'll give you, I'll give you a good story. So the bombers, um, I, I put on a suit. Like I wore a three-piece suit. I, I got a VHS tape, and um, and my and and like a, a resume. I walked okay. down to the bomber office, and I asked that I told them that they should draft me. That's exactly what I said. You guys should draft me. Okay. And Dick Adams was there, and Coach Reinbold at the time. Mm-hmm. They gave me a moment of their time. Dick Adams kind of looked at me and laughed. He did. I remember that. But he took the time to to introduce me to Reinbold, 
And Arabo sat me down in his office. He put my VHS tape in, okay. and it had the returning kicks and such. He asked me how fast I could run. So, you know, my buddies kept telling me I'm like a 4-3 guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, this is a true story. So like, you know, coach, I, I, you don't think I can run a 4-3. Okay. And and respectfully, I had a guy named Chris Lewis who was training me. I remember Chris, Chris Lewis. He's a legendary name in our community. Yeah. Legendary name. He's a fireman, but this guy is the ultimate trainer. Right. And during those times, let me just segue a little bit. We were doing, like, the science of training had changed. Right. Right? In those days. Yeah. So we were doing sports-specific training now. And he was, I was like one of his guinea pigs. So I was doing power clean, snatches. Right. All the things we're doing today. In the 96, that was cutting edge. For sure. And. So I was doing that stuff. So I was physically in amazing shape. So when I went into the bomber office and telling them what I could do, there was no doubt in my mind. Right, you looked the part. And that's, that's what I mean by creating your own luck for anyone at home. Mm -hmm. Creating your own opportunity. If you want something bad enough, you got to prepare for it. And then when that opportunity comes, if you're prepared for it, then you can create your own luck. And that's what happened to me. So back to the story. Sitting in Ryan Bowles' office, he puts the film in. He says, What are you running? I said, 4340. Yeah. He laughed, started laughing hysterically, <laughs> you know? And I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny, right? Of course not. So I was pretty nervous and I was serious about this. this. This was my dream, you know? And this guy's laughing at me. So he goes, No, really? I said, No, four. but he looks at my film. He goes, No, you look like a four or six guy. I said, Well, how can you tell? You're watching return kicks here. You're telling mm -hmm. me those guys on the field are five flat, right? At running back. So. We got into an argument, and he said, I'm going to come to your school and test all of your graduating players. Because he came to my school, came to my office. Um, so he came, and he did a pro day at the, at the Max Bell. Um, and when he came, I ran, I ran a four. It's, it's, it's documented. I ran a four, four something, four, four, one. Um, I think I ran faster, but, you know, these guys are slow on their hands. That's pretty fast. <laughs> That's pretty fast, man. So I ran the time, and... Um, and ironically, man, yeah. after all the work that I put in, mm -hmm. I didn't get drafted. But but what I did was with that article that the Winnipeg Free Press had taken and 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 put out there about me, I sent it to every team in the world. Again, there's no there's no internet. Right. None of that. Yeah. So I was mailing out, mailing out my VHS, my VHS and my newspaper article to every team on the planet. So Seattle Seahawks, you yeah. name the teams. I sent it to because sometimes when your ignorance is bliss, nothing wrong with being ignorant. Because when, when you don't know, sometimes you go in blindly just through hard work and all the, the naivety. And what's wrong with that? I mean, you want you have a dream, go go at it until something tells you different. So I did that. And um, nothing really came out of it. <laughs> but um, somebody got hurt at the uh, before the CFL combine. So I, I, be, be, I was a fill-in. I got, I got uh -huh. an opportunity to go. So that was huge for me because I was an unknown. So they invited me to the CFL Combine, and again, I was in physically dominant shape. So I'm, I'm bench pressing, what was it, 15 times the bench. Nice. Well, some of my my, co my my counterparts that are getting drafted, that were going to get drafted, couldn't even lift the bench off. Couldn't wow. even do one, one 225. Mm -hmm. So I really had a good showing in Calgary. It was outdoors the combine and um again that was an opportunity that I took right from there i um i didn't get drafted but on, on draft day i got a phone call from every team every team said yeah you know we we like you we want you to play for us yada 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 but you know 
any any fool, any child will know if you don't get drafted, these kids, these guys are calling you and they're telling you some things that don't make sense. Then you got to really read between the lines. A lot of these coaches were telling me they're going to play me and start me, but I didn't get drafted. So Jim Sandusky, the receivers coach with the with the BC Lions, he was a receiver and a receivers coach at the time, legendary receiver. Yeah, him and Brandon he created the Sandusky me. gloves. The glove, yeah, he got the gloves. Yeah, remember he, 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 So these guys are wearing those gloves now. Yeah. Um, and he lives on he lives on Bellingham, um, Seattle. So okay. he, he was with me in BC, and yeah. he ended up living out there and building a great life for himself. Um, so you know, he told me the truth. Him and Brendan Cam and the GM, or the assistant GM at the time, they said, "Hey, buddy, you're not gonna you know come out come out early, drive out early, you know, stay and we'll, we'll train you if you're here early, and if you do well, you might make the team." That sounded so honest and true that I went with that. If I work hard, showed them that I can learn the system and such, I'd make the team. I ran with that. I go to BC, and you know, I, Marty Miller was my teammate. Marty was a Bison teammate of mine. He's a D back. Roommates in, in BC. Now, Marty was going to be a starting. He was going to make the team. He was he was drafted. He was going to make the team. They didn't bring me out to make the team. Yeah. There's even articles about it. They, they they try to get rid of me, but they, I kept giving them reasons not to get rid of me. You with me? Yeah, that was gotcha. that was the, that was the my my you know my little that's what they kept saying about me. Sure. On BC, this guy just we just can't get rid of this guy, <laughs> right? Right. So unfortunately, Marty Miller got really hurt. I mean, he was banished from head to toe. Wow. <laughs> he was banished from head to toe, you know. And uh, and I was a receiver, and he was a D back. I never backpedaled in my life. But the coaches asked me, "Hey, you want to make this team?" Do you know the backfield? I said, no. He said, well, lie to the coach. We like you. Lie to coach Adam when he asks you mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to this game and Marty's not going because he's hurt. You're coming. You might want to, you might play D back. We don't know if Greg, if somebody gets hurt. Wow. So just say you can. <laughs> True story. So, In the CFL. That's great. Uh, so I, I, I get dressed because, uh, you know, the guy's hurt. So, uh, and I'm, I'm on as a receiver D back now, right? Okay. Greg Frears is the safe is the is a, is a starting safety for the BC Lions at the time. This guy gets hurt. Of all, you know, he gets hurt, <laughs> and um, there's nobody else to put in. So I didn't even know how to play the, the position at all. I had never been. I never even took a rep, a snap at it in practice. Wow! And they put me back there. That's incredible. And against Jeff Garcia, man. Jeff you know, Garcia. you have, you have uh, Alan Pitt. You know, you got these great play. Travis Moore, he's legend. Wow! I was playing middle safety. And it was third long, it was a critical game. Yeah. And I knocked the ball down. Jeff Garcia threw a deep one and I just stayed in the middle, didn't move. Yeah. Knocked the ball down. And, um, you know, the rest goes from there. You make one play. Right. It all it takes is one play, I think. That's and true. You, you go with that. And I think, you know, my hard work, my, my ignorance, my ignorance, right, mm-hmm. uh, really paid it off. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. How, how about going into your bomber days? What? How, how? You were with BC for a few years, then you go to the bombers. So, so let me share this with you. So, yeah. in BC, every team takes three years to build a championship team. That's the business model. So, as I walk into Adam Rita's office, who he, he, he signed me as a free agent, he believed in me, nurtured me, trained me. I'm a free agent, and he says to me, "Dave, you're coming back, right? We're paying you good money." And I told him I wanted to go home. I said, "I want to go back to Winnipeg. That's where I'm from." Right. He goes, you want to go back to that place? I remember him saying, you want to go that place? There's nothing there for you, man. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I said, well, that's where I'm from, man. You know, my, my parents are there. He says, Dave, I would never play. I would never coach there. I never, I'll never forget Adam. He's a good friend. 
He said, I would never coach there. I would never live there. <laughs> that happened. Um, I ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. And they ended up winning a great cup that year. He said, they were able to win a great cup. Right. You know, like this many years, to, you're going to Winnipeg. I don't know why you're going there. We're about to win a great cup. They ended up winning a great cup that year. We are building in, in Winnipeg. Right. We brought Kahari over. He was my teammate in BC. Okay. So he came. And, um, and I mean, we, we had a good story. We had a nice career here. Yeah. Until, you know, 2001, we went to the Grey Cup. Right. 14 games in a row and lost. So I have no regrets. I think I think the, the path that I took was great. So Absolutely. I spent four years here as a bomber from 2000 to 2004. What, what was it like? 2003. Okay. What was it like as a Winnipegger, like homegrown guy, to just play for the Bombers and suit up and wear the uniform like that. Just to me, I think that that's got to be in itself, you know, initially just a very cool experience. There's no question about it, Aaron. I, um, yeah, and, you know, because I get naive, like ignorant. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to play because I love the game. I want to play because I'm at home. All my buddies are, you know, yeah. Winnipeg fans. It's a great feeling, wonderful feeling, because you're playing it intrinsically. You're playing it for passion. You're playing it, you know. For those things. Absolutely. So it was great playing here. The energy was crazy. The fanfare was incredible. Mm-hmm. I think we brought a lot of fans to the stands. The, those yes, That did. time in 2000 or 2003, yeah. the city was bump, bumping. It was. You know, we were winning. We were, you know, it was great. It was great. You know what I'm saying? There's such a different yeah. feel. There's such a different feel in the city when, when the Bombers are winning, right? And I, I, rem- yeah. I remember that as well. And, yeah, that, that was a really cool time. Um, how about like getting towards the end of your career? I know you ended up going to Ottawa and then yeah. kind of finishing off with Toronto. Can you speak on those years and what that was like? Well, going to Ottawa, um, it was kind of cool because I'm going to a team where the owners, the owner was the Gleermans and they didn't know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, but you know, I'm playing with a lot of young Americans and I'm an older guy now in my eighth year. I'm playing at corner. I'm playing with Tyrese Haber, John Turntine, Jason Armstead, Kerry Joseph, Joe Murphy, just to name a few names. You know, um, that was an incredible time. And we had a pretty decent team. We had Joe Papa as head coach. Right. Um, so, I mean, in retrospect, I think that was, a good, that was a great experience in Ottawa. Living in Ottawa, the city is, it's, you know, it's a great city. It's a clean city. So it was, just, it was a great time for me there. My, my daughter was born there. Danica was born there. So... You know, for an old guy going into my twilight, you know, my end of my career, yep. I think that was a great, great experience for me. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's great. And then, and then you finish your career off in Toronto in two thousand six. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, and they brought me in to start as the open corner. Um, but my body had been really, really like torn up. Okay. My Achilles was really, really bad. So I was mostly on the IR that year. My Achilles actually snapped after I left and retired a couple of years later. It actually snapped. Oh, I no tore it playing basketball. So um, I had reached my physical limit in my 10th season. I really put my body through, like, you know, you know I'm, not, I'm not a very big guy, and I played bigger than I am. So no regrets, but, you know, my body wasn't the same after 10 years. Oh, that's so fair. I had, to call it, I had, to, call it, I had yeah. to call it before they called it on me. There you go. I like it. I like it. you took it into your own hands. How about how about just at the end of the day at retiring? Like when you look back at your career now, years later, are you are you proud of the accomplishment of just all the time and work you put in? Like, I mean, your story is incredible. You were, uh, you know, a, a player that was on the field, right? You you had an impact in games. Like, 
I would I would think that uh, you know you would look back and, and be pretty proud of what you did. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. To, to look back, absolutely. There's a there's there's pride, but I guess I think the pride that really the pride that I find out at this stage of my life is mm-hmm. just to see where football has come since I played, coming from Winnipeg, and to see. The, the next generation, the next generation, the next generation of kids that play the same sport that I played, that I'm passionate about. Um, we've taken the level of play to another level. Yes. So little 14-year-olds are dominant now. Their IQ is higher. They're, what they're doing in the gym is different. So so I'm proud of that because I, you know, I come from a different era yes. and a different way of things. But to see it go, to see where I was and see where we're at, there's a big great sense of pride and, and to be involved with it, as mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Yep. I'm very heavily involved in football at the grassroots level. So for the last 20 years, I think I've laid a massive like I've laid a massive foundation in this town. Um, a lot of kids out there I put my hands on in some way or shape or form. And uh, now they're grown men. Yes. And now they're doing the same thing. Either they're coaching, they're playing, mm-hmm. I think they're doing something. Yeah. And that's what we want. Yeah, right? and you had an impact so, on that. Yeah, I love I think that. That's, I think that's why I'm so proud is because it's not so much about what I've achieved, but it's about what through through me, how many other people can achieve things. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, fantastic, Dave.